Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a uniquely challenging game this week. Not only do they have to take on the formidable Detroit Lions, they have to do so with seemingly half their team on the injured list. Can they give us something extra to be thankful for on Thursday? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. It's injuries all the time. We're going to talk injuries today, how they affect the running back room specifically, and what, if anything, the Packers need to do to beat the Detroit Lions. Then some different kind of stuff here at the end today. But starting with those injuries, we've got an update on Aaron Jones. It's not a torn ACL. We knew that after the game on Sunday. It looks like he's just got a sprained MCL, which means he's basically week to week. The MCL is one of the ligaments on the outside, inside of your leg, I think. I've, I lose track of where all the L's are in the in the knee. They're on the inside of your leg, though, I believe. Uh, medial is right. That means on the inside. Anyway, um, the, the bigger point here is that it's not a serious issue. If you're going to hurt a, a ligament in your knee, this apparently is the one to do because he's had this kind of issue before. In fact, according to Zachary Jacobson, who I believe the best way to describe where he writes now is for, for CBS Sports in some capacity, but I saw he brought that nugget up online. That's the first place I saw it, so I wanted to give him credit for that. The fifth time, though, he's had an MCL-type issue, kind of just a reminder that this is a big man's game, and Aaron Jones is not an especially big man, though he's plenty tough. And uh, looks like we'll probably see him back on the field at some point this year, though week to week can mean many different things. And this week, it seems for certain, is not going to be a go for him as he recovers from that injury. Thankfully, though, it is not a serious injury or... Uh, very accurate, I guess. It, they described it after the game as a not long-term injury and not a long-term sort of problem. That appears to be very much the case and just going to be a week or two or maybe three before Aaron Jones is back out on the field, which would be great to see just from a leadership perspective, even if statistically this season is not really going the way that uh, I think a lot of us, even Aaron Jones, would have hoped uh, in terms of production. But that puts the Packers in a little bit of a tough spot with their running back room, which we will talk about in a second. But first, we talk about how Luke Musgrave apparently is or has spent some time in the hospital this week with a lacerated kidney. According to Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated or Fan Nation or Packer Central, whichever way you want to identify where he writes, he's got the inside scoop on the injury that put Musgrave in the hospital. According to various reports, injured during the game, he fell on the football on a catch but didn't say anything about it at the time, didn't think it was anything serious, but then later told Packers trainer Brian Engel, I'll let you Google the symptoms of um, a lacerated kidney yourself and guess what may have tipped him off later. I have a guess, but uh, we don't know for sure. And uh, in any case, it sounds very painful. I don't want anything on my body lacerated. So hopefully he is on his way to a speedy recovery just because that sounds like a terrible thing to be dealing with. The interesting nugget here to me, is from Matt LaFleur saying that Musgrave is not going on injured reserve, at least not immediately. Conservatively, I think we can consider him out for Thursday, which puts the Packers in a bit of a bind at tight end as well, because, as you may recall from Sunday, Josiah DeGuara is also a little bit banged up, which would put the Packers in a bit of a bind in their tight end room. Not that DeGuara has been playing a huge role this season. His snaps even have been dwindling of late. But that leaves just Tucker Craft and Ben Sims as the healthy bodies in the room. They do have Henry Pearson, who is more of that H-back type 
player on the the practice squad, but they're in in rough shape in terms of just bodies being available, which is not unique to the Packers to the tight end room as we just talked about. Running backs are in rough shape for this this Thursday. But they're just running out of people there. So probably, first and foremost, more Tucker Craft, who has been playing a bigger and bigger role this season. 48 snaps total this past Sunday, 30 on offense, 18 on special teams. It's been a bigger and growing role for him on special teams in particular over the past few weeks. Well, he's going to get a lot of snaps to play this Thursday, and so will Ben Sims, regardless of who else is healthy, because if DeGuara isn't 100%, it's hard to see the Packers putting him out there a whole lot. So what are the Packers actually going to do on offense? That's going to be a big question, because in addition to Luke Musgrave being hurt, and Josiah DeGuara being hurt, and Aaron Jones being hurt, and Emmanuel Wilson being hurt, Dontavian Wicks is in the concussion protocol, meaning that one of the Packers' more productive receivers is not going to be or likely not going to be available for this Thursday. You never know what could happen. Maybe things turn around here late. But given the the fact that the Packers play, well, shoot, it's 8.57 p.m. right now as I record this on Tuesday night. If everybody gets healthy, they're going to have to be healthy pretty much in the next 24 hours because, what, one uh, 12.30 local time? I'm on Eastern time. Uh, Sunday or Thursday, they're going to be playing a football game. We're barely 36 hours out. It's going to have to be, it's going to be pretty tight here, I guess is what I'm saying. We've got to have a healthy turnaround if the Packers are going to get, you know, a competitive team on the field. But more on that in a second. The real crux of the injury issue falls on the running back room. And I thought we'd just talk about the running backs the Packers have available before we dive into Packers Lions in any sort of preview capacity. First and foremost, I think we got to talk about A.J. Dillon, who is going to have to carry the load in a way that we've never really seen before. I can't recall a situation that it has played out quite like this. There was a situation in 2016 where the Packers went into a game with only Eddie Lacy and James Starks healthy. That was actually, actually ended up being Eddie Lacy's last game with the Green Bay Packers because he was a bit banged up heading into the game against the Dallas Cowboys. Packers wore their throwback uniforms that day. And the Packers elected to not bring another running back onto the roster for that game. They couldn't do practice squad elevations at the time, of course, but they they just didn't make a move. And so Eddie Lacy and James Starks are the only healthy backs in that game. Lacy carries too big of a load already on an injured ankle. And uh, Mike McCarthy just kind of burns him up in that game. He gets he exacerbates the ankle injury and never plays in Green Bay again. And by the end of that game, James Starks is the only healthy running back on the roster. All of that precipitated Ty Montgomery's switch from wide receiver to running back that year. Now, I don't think we're in line to see something like that, though Jaden Reed did take some snaps in the backfield on Sunday, and I suspect we will probably see some more of that on Thursday just because they have so few playmakers who can handle the ball now. It's it's Christian Watson, who I'm still not entirely convinced is completely healthy, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, and A.J. Dillon. That's it. At running back, in particular, A.J. Dillon, the only guy who is on the 53-man roster on Sunday, who will be suiting up for the Packers on Thursday. It feels like Dillon has been playing better, Though, if you just look at the raw numbers, the past month has not been great for him. He's had 150 yards, which fine on a per-game basis, but he's done that on 38 carries, 
that total also is boosted by one forty yard carry. So he's under three yards a carry other than that one forty yarder, and even then it barely gets his average up to close to four yards per carry. It just hasn't been great, though the way in which he's been running feels different than early in the season. I don't know if A.J. Dillon has the personality to ever be a quote-unquote angry runner, but he does seem to have been running with more force and intention of late. He may need to really carry the load in a way that we haven't seen from him ever before on Thursday. He did have the one game in 2020, the snow game against the Titans, where he carried a, a real big load that he was basically the backfield there in a similar kind of injury situation where I think Aaron Jones was hurt and Jamal Williams got a little bit banged up. But this is a horse of a different color with nobody having really been on the 53-man roster in Green Bay before. Nobody, that is, except for Patrick Taylor, who is back on the 53. And though he was not on the 53-man roster last week, he did play four games for the Packers earlier this year. Back in Green Bay after a while on the Patriots practice squad, I highly recommend you check out Tom Silverstein's article, Silverstein's article, excuse me, on PackersNews.com about his move from Green Bay to New England back to Green Bay, apparently left with some hard feelings. Understandable. He had been called up to the active roster from the practice squad three times, then was signed to the 53-man roster for the Raiders game, but then cut the Monday afterwards, and the Packers didn't even offer to bring him back on the practice squad so they could reset that clock on his elevations. However, there is one small thing that I think could maybe soothe some hurt feelings here. In the collective bargaining agreement, there is a provision that if you sign somebody off the pack, uh, off the, not off the Packers practice squad, off anybody's practice squad, you're on the hook for three weeks of pay. Whether you play them for three weeks, whether they're even on your roster for three weeks, they're going to get paid for three weeks of football. And that's not practice squad money. That's full league minimum salary money for being on the roster. And according to Tom Silverstein's article, for Patrick Taylor, that means a little over $160,000 going in his pocket over the next three weeks, as opposed to the practice squad money of about $36,000. Now, don't get me wrong. I would take $36,000 for three weeks of work, but I would also much more happily accept $160,000 for three weeks work. Even if I was going back to an employer I felt had wronged me before, I think I could, could get over some hurt feelings for hundred and sixty grand. In any case, I think having Taylor around gives the Packers a little bit more security in the backfield. As you might remember, Late in games when Patrick Taylor was on the roster, he was the guy the Packers were using rather than A.J. Dillon in pass protection situations, in two-minute drill situations. They trust him on the field, and they're paying for that trust here now in a way that they declined to do before. Again, it would be an emotionally complicated situation for Patrick Taylor, but he gets another opportunity an opportunity to do something that he hasn't done in Green Bay before, and now he's really going to get some chances to contribute to this Packers offense because, quite frankly, there's nobody else in the backfield other than A.J. Dillon who really can. There are two other names in the running back room, though, the first of whom is James Robinson, who I'm only prioritizing over the other guy because of his history in the NFL. The Packers had signed Robinson to the practice squad Back on October 17th, we were on vacation at the time, so I didn't get a chance to include that news in an episode. It was with the Packers practice squad from October 17th to November 6th, at which point he was cut. He has not played in an NFL game since December 4th, 2022, but I got to think his odds are pretty good this week. 
He actually tore his Achilles back in 2021 in week 16, as a matter of fact, and he's never really been the same guy since then. Pre-injury, he averaged a little over four and a half yards per carry. It's a little under four yards per carry afterwards. Looking at video from when he was in training camp with the New York Giants, helpfully compiled by Justice Mosqueda of AcmePackingCompany.com, it doesn't look like he's got a lot of juice left. But the upside there is that at least he knows what he's doing on an NFL football field and probably won't get Jordan Love killed in pass protection just because, again, he spent some more time out there. Considerably more time, at least, than the Packers' other running back option right now, who is Ellis Merriweather, six foot one, two hundred and twenty pound rookie, undrafted rookie, out of the University of Massachusetts. The Packers, with Merriweather and everybody else in that room outside of Aaron Jones, are going all big all the time at running back. Patrick Taylor, in fact, is the lightest playable running back right now at two hundred seventeen pounds. It's it's a big boy's room right now, and. Merriweather is another big boy. He started his college career at Garden City Community College in Kansas before finishing out at the University of Massachusetts. Never was a big producer and wasn't an especially good tester either. Six, four, six, eight in the 40-yard dash. No other really noteworthy numbers. Look, put the picture together yourself. Six foot one, 220 pounds, four, six range in the 40-yard dash. What kind of running back is he? This is a blunt instrument straight ahead running back. That's the kind of stuff he's going to be doing for the Packers. Straight ahead, straight downhill, that's what they need from Ellis Merriweather, and that's probably about all that he can give him, give them if he indeed gets onto the active roster for this week. If I had to guess, they would probably, I don't, well, I was going to say they'd probably prioritize Robinson, but I think it's probably about a coin flip, given that they were able to get Patrick Taylor back. You'd think if they were going to use an extra running back, it would be him first, but who's third in the pecking order behind Dylan and Taylor? I don't really know if you need a third back. Maybe that's where Jaden Reed comes in. But between Robinson and Merriweather, it's probably just about a coin flip. Depends who the Packers are more comfortable with. We'll see on Thursday if anybody gets an elevation between those two. Now, of course, the Packers do play the Lions on Thursday. This would be a tough one under the best of circumstances. We talked, This is maybe this worked out to be a better analogy than I thought it was even after I recorded it because we kind of used the Planet of the Apes scenario talking about the Detroit Lions earlier this year, called them the the chimp with the machine gun. It's something you don't necessarily take seriously. We're past that point, well past that point, because the, the, the Lions are now at the point that, well, to bring in a different version of the Planet of the Apes franchise, how did I get myself into this? Uh, maybe they're in the scenario now where the, the, the tables have turned. The civilized people are now looking up at the 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 monkeys that have come up with the, with the that are running the world it's like at the end of the mark Wahlberg version of planet of the apes where he comes back and the lincoln uh, memorial has been changed sorry to spoil that very old movie for you now the lions are running things i guess is my long way of taking that getting to that point they are running things in the nfc north right now and the question becomes what do you have to do to beat the lions and i don't just mean this week Because I think we're in the unique situation where we can look at the Lions or look at a different team, whether it's the Lions or the Vikings or the Bears, and think about what the Packers need to do or change to beat that team. And I think that's important for us to think about as Packers fans because for a long time, for let's just say the Aaron Rodgers era, for 15 years, shoot, if you really want to go 
get really specific, it's since the the time where Aaron Rodgers really became an elite quarterback, so say 2010. Since that time, everything in the NFC North has been structured around how do you beat the Packers? How do you construct your team to beat the Green Bay Packers? Because Aaron Rodgers is going to be putting up crazy numbers. For a lot of that time, he had Devontae Adams or another very threatening receiver, whether it's Jordy Nelson or Greg Jennings or James Jones or Randall Cobb, even Jermichael Finley you can throw in there. He had people that could make you pay. So you had to, given given that Aaron Rodgers was going to be a factor for the foreseeable future in your division, you had to think about building your team in a way that lets you compete with the Green Bay Packers. When you're in that situation, you have two choices in my estimation. You can build yourself to counter what they do directly, or you can decide what your philosophy is, and then you can be so good at what you want to do that they have to play your game instead of theirs. So think about how the Lions want to play. They want to be a physical team. They want to run the ball. They want to beat you up, and they want to stick to that identity very closely because that's how they are built to play. They've got a strong offensive line that can move you in the run game and uh, block well in the passing game. They've got a quarterback who can execute their game plan. They've got receivers that are are good enough to take advantage of, of openings in space. And then they've got a rugged running back in David Montgomery who will grind you to pieces, even if he's not a spectacular you know left and right jukes and all that sort of thing. Running back, he can he can take a punishment. He would be like a great like mid nineties running back. Guys that are averaging like four yards a carry, but will carry the the ball four hundred times a season, something like that. Montgomery would have fit into that mold so well. Then you've got Jameer Gibbs, the the slasher, the explosive back. It's a it's a nice pairing. Um, but the the Lions want to stick to that identity. They want to beat you up. They'll force feed you a football if they have to and would do so gladly because that's something that Dan Campbell sounds like he would really enjoy. So as the Packers, you've got two choices. You can either build yourself up to counter what the Lions want to do, or you can decide what your philosophy is and figure out a way to be so good at that that the Lions have to compete with you instead of you trying to catch up to them. So where do the Packers stand on those two things right now? First and foremost, can the Packers stop the run? Are they constructed to slow down what the Lions want to do on the ground, or maybe more to the point, do the Packers have the guys in their defensive front who can make things difficult for the Lions' very strong offensive line? I'd say that answer is a pretty easy no at this point. You've got Kenny Clark, who, as we talked about earlier this year, is not having one of his better seasons, though he did some nice things on Sunday. We may be reaching the point where Kenny Clark is slowing down a little bit, and Run stopping has not necessarily always been his game to begin with. But outside of Kenny Clark, who is probably their their best defensive lineman, not probably, he is certainly their best defensive lineman, you've got Devontae Wyatt, who puts up great pass rushing numbers, though the productivity stuff has not quite always been there, not quite been there so far in his still young NFL career. He does create a lot of pressures and stuff like that. But again, stopping the run is not a real forte for him. You've got TJ Slayton, who is a plugger. But he seems to be about the only one on the Packers because behind him you've got Colby Wooden, who seems to be miscast as a defensive lineman, at least how the Packers want their defensive lineman to play. And Carl Brooks, who is still just a rookie, a little bit on the lighter side, 
definitely more of a pass rusher than a run stuffer, and you can't really count on a rookie defensive lineman to be that much of a run stuffer to begin with. So to recap, you've got Kenny Clark, a first-round pick who isn't much of a run stopper, a fifth-round pick who is, but he's kind of the only one, and two rookies, neither of whom run stopping is a forte for them. So the Packers probably aren't going to compete with what the, the Lions necessarily want to do. What about the flip side? Can the Packers play their game well enough that they either have to force the Lions to play the way that the Packers want to play or just compete in a shootout type situation with the Lions? I think the answer is probably no, but there's at least enough of a hesitation that you can say maybe. Because I think the Packers have been improving over the past couple of weeks. We have seen some steps in the right direction on offense. It hasn't always been pretty. Even against the Rams, there was a bit of a lull in the first half. They did start putting things together in the second half, which was good to see. The Steelers game, okay, some misses in the red zone, to be sure. This last week, much better against the Chargers. Still searching for some consistency, but they proved that they can at least break 20 points in a game. I don't think the Packers can do things well enough to set the terms of engagement with a team like the Lions, but there is hope, I think, that the Packers can at least be competitive if they have a good game doing the things that they want to do on offense. Now, there are some complications, of course, with doing that. The Packers are injured all over the place on offense. They still have yet to play super consistent from week to week on offense or on defense. And of course, the Lions are still pretty well equipped to do the things that they want to do in a way that's going to make winning the game very difficult for the Packers. This is probably not a game the Packers are going to win, but you never know because Thursday football on Thanksgiving is always a little bit weird. Maybe this one's ugly by halftime. That's certainly a possibility. Maybe the Packers manage to slog along with the Lions and keep things tight towards the end, and then you never know how things are going to go um, You know, as, as things come down to the wire. This is a real growth opportunity, though. I think we can say that for sure. Again, if you look over the past three weeks, you've got the Rams, who had some limitations on offense. You've got the Steelers, where the Packers tripped over themselves trying to put them away and still gave up, you know, big gashes of yards on the ground on defense. You've got the Chargers who couldn't get out of their own way. They simply could not be asked to do anything competent long enough to make themselves really dangerous to the Packers. I mean, if the if they just had stayed out of their own way half as much as they were, they probably score 30 points in that game, but they couldn't, so they didn't. The Lions are more competent than anybody the Packers have played in the last three weeks. If the Packers can show they're competitive against the Lions on a short week against a challenging team with 17 players on the injured list, then I think we can start having real, real conversations about growth. We can start having some real conversations about the Packers taking steps in the right direction. We can start having real conversations about what the future looks like with these young guys coming together. We may not be there yet, but this is an opportunity for the Packers to show where they are and for Matt LaFleur to show that he can come up with a great game plan with, you know, not not quite a full deck, put it that way. 
I'm excited. I'm intrigued to see what the Packers can do this Thursday because whatever happens, the Packers are still probably going to be looking up at the Detroit Lions for at least the remainder of this season, but this is a good time to start measuring where they may stand against their current leader in the division. That's all I've got for you football-wise on this one. I did want to take a second at the end of the episode to not quite get serious for a second, but to at least talk about something that's been on my mind here for the past few weeks, few months, really, since the start of September. Uh, because we are, you know, it's 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 Thanksgiving this week. And Thanksgiving can be a, a tricky time of the year. It's It's been an up-and-down year for us. We've had a lot of sickness in our family this year. Uh, but it's a good time this week to sit down and be thankful and just reflect on, on some of the good things that we have. It involves a lot of family for us. And I realize that saying that, put it this way, the more the older I get, the more I'm conscious of the fact that family is a difficult proposition for some people and the holidays can make that worse. It's also true that different people have different jobs. It makes Thanksgiving hard. I have a job where I get both Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving off. A lot of people don't have that. They may have to work retail on Thanksgiving and on Black Friday and whatever you call Saturday, which is still a crazy shopping day too. Please be kind to people if you are out on Friday and Saturday or even Thursday or whatever. Be kind however you can. Anyway, that sort of thing can make Thanksgiving hard. On top of just the logistical difficulties there, you have the guilt of sometimes not being able to quote-unquote do Thanksgiving in the way you're supposed to. We're also really cranking up the intensity on the holiday season already. Every store feels different the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's daylight saving time taking effect here in the in the states. I know we got international listeners, but it's getting darker early. People are rushing around. I'm in the grocery store. Everybody seems on edge and irritated and angry. And yeah, it just seems like everybody is a little bit on edge right now. So I bring this up because whatever Thanksgiving looks like to you, I would encourage you or request as a listener of Blue 58 that you find some time to rest this week. I know it's difficult. I know with family it can be hard and travel and work and all of that. Yes, um, it's, it's hard. It's a challenge. But it's been really important for me and my family this year, this last quarter of the year, to find ways to to rest and relax, even if it's just for a night where we say we're going to take a night off and just not do anything, uh, just you know, watch some TV or go to bed early or something like that. Just as your friendly neighborhood podcast host, please take a second to try to find a, a way that you can rest here in this time where things are getting increasingly busy where there's a lot of pressure to do things a certain way, where you may have some strained feelings or relationships that have come up around the holidays as they always seem to, just find some time to rest if you can. And do it in a way that's meaningful to you. Maybe that's reading a good book. Maybe that's starting a movie marathon of a favorite movie series. Maybe it's getting outside and going for a walk. That is always a good way to to wind down a little bit. But just remember that, you know, the football might be good, it might be bad. The travel might be hard. But I guess <laughs> the, the the words that come to mind are, are from from Red Green, that silly TV show. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Just remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, right? 
I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you sometime after the Lions game, the, the game in which the Packers play the Lions, put it that way. And I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, a restful time, stress-free as possible, and that you find some, some time for yourself over the next week or five days or whatever it is. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with somebody you think would enjoy it that's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.